0: And then in the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter number 16. And uh, while you're turning there, would you be much in prayer for Brother Carlton Allen? Uh, He's been sick all week in the hospital, and he was hoping to be able to attend church this morning, but he's not able to do that. And if you remember to pray for him as he recovers from a very, very sick man all week long. And then also Sister Arnold, uh, they had to send the EMTs out for her yesterday at her home. She has a really bad case of the flu and ask that we remember to pray for her. And then Brother Andy Roberts has those kind of symptoms, and also Stephen Jones. So if you'd remember to pray for each of those, and I know there's many, many more, uh, but those are some current ones uh, just this week. And so be sure that you would, if you would, remember uh, to keep them in your prayers. And again, thank you so much for being here today. I tell you, it's a joy to be in the Lord's house. It's cold outside, and it's going to be a pretty week. They said it's going to get up around 81, a little later in the week, and I can't hardly wait for that, and uh, I, I used to never get cold, but I hardly ever get warm now, and uh, I don't know what the change has been. It couldn't be age or anything along that line, I'm sure, but um, uh, that doesn't affect me. I, I'm, I'm confident of that. Something's going on, but I, my feet have been so cold, they're even cold this morning, And uh, but um, I, that's not a good sign, cold feet, I don't think, but anyhow, if you would look with us in uh, Isaiah chapter number 61. I started this back at the beginning of the year. This will be our third uh, entry on the subject of uh, either why Jesus came or the question, why did Jesus come? And we know that uh, we just celebrated the Christmas season, the birth of Christ, and and we've discussed at least two different uh, subjects as far as why Jesus came in the world. We know that he came to save, but I'm confident that he came also to deliver us. And there's a difference in saving us and delivering us. And uh, he saves us. It's one time for eternity. But then throughout the course of our life, we come to situations that we need his deliverance, like he delivered the the, uh, children of Israel out of their bondage in the land of Egypt. And we see all these stories in the scripture. And so we looked at, in the first place, uh, the Bible said here in Isaiah chapter number 61, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to do these things, to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and then the last part of that verse will be our text for today, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now there's other things, we talked in the first place, I believe it was the first Sunday in this year perhaps, we went to the Gospel of John in chapter number nine and talked about what was prophesied in another place that he would give sight to the blind. Last Sunday if you were with us, you remember that we uh, looked at the the, uh, thought of binding up the brokenhearted, and went through a long list of different kinds of brokenness that we can have through the course of a lifetime. Why did Jesus come? The Bible said in John 10, in verse number 10, I am come. Now, we celebrate the birth of Christ back on December the 25th, but this question has lingered in my mind before we celebrated Christmas and ever since, ever since. And so I'm, uh, I'm thinking about this verse, about he, that he came into the world. He said, I am come. Well, the Bible gives the answer We don't have to question why he came. He said that he came, he said, I am come that they might have life. That is your salvation. And uh, he goes on to explain it a little bit more deeply. And he said, and that they might have it more abundantly. And so there's some kind of life that extends and, uh, and becomes a sequel to our new birth, our being born again, our having eternal life, having our sins forgiven, becoming a child of God, and all of those kind of things. Been a Christian, and it goes on and on and on. But there's a life that goes beyond that, and so many people miss it. I'm glad that the Lord let me see this. I wish that I had understood this concept and precept in the Scripture throughout my 48 years of ministry. I think that I could have been more helpful in getting people a little further down the road in their Christian experience. There are so many that just feel like that I'm saved and that's enough and that's enough. And I'm just getting in by the skin of my teeth. But I'll get in one day. I've been washed in the blood. I've been born again. And then they just go along and live this life. And I'll go over a few things that he's talking about in this passage of scripture here uh, momentarily. And uh, I will get to our text. But I've got to think about that for just a moment. This matter of having life and that they might have it more abundantly. Do you have that this morning? Do you feel like if you were to uh, assess your life and look at it and, and write down uh, the story of your life since you got saved, would you, you know, on a scale of one to ten, and, uh, and ten being an abundant life and one being a not so good life, where would you be on that scale? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that God wants every single one of us to have a better life a more productive life, a more fruitful life, a more happy life as our song director was trying to get us to smile a little while ago. I know we have troubles. I know we have difficult times, but God wants us to have an abundant life. And so I had to begin to think, what in the world is that? God never heard anybody preach on it. I've heard a few, and and myself, a few times down the road, I've just taken a stab at it. But when you go, and, and I ask myself the question, where in the world are the scholars on the subject of the abundant life? And, and we've, got, we've got thousands of people writing books about the second coming and soul winning and, uh, and tithing and, and a thousand other things, but I've never seen a book on the abundant life. And when you go to the scholars and you ask the theologians and yes, even the counselors and yay, even the commentaries, what what do they have to say? Very little about the Christian life beyond being saved it seems like that's in the in the mind of most people it's enough just you know just so i've escaped the fire just so i don't have to burn in hell fire for all eternity if i can miss that that's well enough i can handle the rest of it well there's something above and beyond all of that and so i begin to ask myself the question what could it mean I looked some things up in the dictionary and it means to have quality of life but also have quality of life. Did you get that? Have quantity of life and yet also have quality of life. It means to have more but it means to have the most. It means to be satisfied with life but it also means to be gratified in life. Are you there? Have you reached the place in your life That you can can say that I'm satisfied being a Christian, and this life is so gratifying that I'm living today. Be honest with yourself. It means that uh, not uh, that we just get what we want, but we get what God wants us to be. And the list goes on and on. I suggest these things. The abundant life would be a life that has assurance. Write that down, it has victory. It has liberty, it has joy, it has power, it has peace. It has love, it has works, it has fruit. The list goes on and on and on and on. Jesus said that I came to do two things. Number one, he said, I came that you might have life. And if you've never been saved this morning, you don't have life. You just have existence. You're just here. And a little while you're going to be gone. But if you've been born by the Spirit of God, you have an eternal life that started that day that you got saved. And it never, 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 never ends. You have it forever and ever. And in that eternal life, you have the offer of abundant life. Now, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force it on you. You'll, you'll find out that in this life that you can live just about any way you want to live. And uh, you can be unproductive and, you know, you can you can fight the battle on your own, but there is someone who will help us along the way. I wish I'd have known this throughout my ministry, throughout my ministry. Now, quickly to the message this morning as our time is fleeting. Uh, verse number one and the latter part of the verse, he said that he uh, that he that opening of the prison. I want to look at that today. The opening of the prison in Psalms 146 in verse number seven. The Bible said, "The Lord looseth the prisoners." And so you say, "Well, preacher, I'm not in jail. I, I'm not in prison." Let's think about it for a few moments. Let's think about that for a few moments. And by the way, don't get the idea that the message that I'm about to preach is some kind of get out of jail free card. It's not that at all. By the way, um, that's, that's not what he's implying here. That's not what we're going to look at in Acts chapter number 16 in just a few moments. That, you know that everybody gets saved, gets out of jail. That's not it at all. But, but um, let me not get ahead of myself. And he said, the Lord looseth the prisoners. Well, what does it mean? In Psalm 142 in verse number seven, bring my soul out of prison. And so our title being very quickly this morning, the opening of the prison. He said, I'm gonna give sight to the blind. I'm gonna bind up the brokenhearted. And he said, I'm gonna loose the prison doors. There's a lot of, analogy, a lot of typology goes along with uh, these statements that the Lord has made. We know that, that uh, that when he was talking about the blindness, that he wasn't just talking about poor eyesight, but he was talking about the blindness of the heart and the darkness that men live in and how that they cannot see their way. When he was talking about the broken-hearted, he wasn't just talking about somebody that had some kind. He wasn't, you know, making mention of some kind of uh, heart disease or something along that way. And he wasn't just talking about the trivial things of life, but people who are truly going through extremely difficult times. People that are broken in spirit. And broken in heart, and broken in life, and broken families, and broken homes, and broken children, and brokenness throughout their life. He's talking about, I'm gonna bind them up. But as much as he said, I'm gonna give sight to the blind, and he said, I'm gonna bind up the brokenhearted, and he said, I'm not gonna forget about those that are in prison either. We've supported prison ministries throughout the course of our ministry and highways and hedges, and and a rock of ages. And and, uh, we've had, uh, at one time we had, we were working in some 20, we had 20-something prison uh, ministries here at Victory Baptist Church that that was, the, the men were preaching in every single month, some 28 services. And I've, been, I've spent weeks uh, on, in travel uh, all the way f- through the state of Georgia from Alto uh, State Prison up in the very northeast corner all the way down to Waycross and everything in between, Milledgeville and all those places. I spent time a week in revival out in uh, Parchman, Mississippi and preached there on their uh, campus, their state federal penitentiary. They have all the prison, uh, different levels of prison. They have the, uh, the uh, youth a penitentiary there and, and they have the, the women's prison there and they have the men's prison there and they have death row there and been in all of those places. And I know what it, I've never been in prison, I've never been in jail. And uh, I, and so I don't really, I know what it looks like on the inside. and uh, But you know, most of you have probably never spent a day behind locked bars. And so what does he mean when he talks about this matter of opening the prison? Opening the prison. In the, if you turn with me now in the book of Acts, look in Acts chapter number 16. We have a wonderful story here, and we'll look at it for the next few moments. I don't have an outline. I just have some... A kind of a summary of what's going on In this passage of scripture And some things that we could think about this morning In verse number 23 He mentions the word prison In verse number uh, 24 He mentions the inner prison In verse number 25 he mentions The prisoners Again in verse number 26 he talks about the prison Three times in verse number 27 And so we have a good place To look to see how it is In the prison and what God Does uh, in this situation Situation. I'll begin reading, though, in verse number 25, if we could. You have your Bibles open. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was sh- were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. The Lord looseth the prisoners. Look at the next part of the verse. And everyone's bands were loosed. And uh, for the sake of reading on, and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out a sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. All the prisoners were there. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he sat meat before them and rejoiced believing in God and all his house. And so we see an example of what it is said of our Lord that he would would give sight to the blind, that he would bind up the brokenhearted, and now we see where he looses the bonds of the prisoners. Think about it with me for just a moment. In our story, uh, there's, there's two or three things that I must make mention of. There's several messages in our text. Let me just give them to you, and then we'll see what God makes of it. A number, uh, first of all, there's the greatest question and the greatest answer in life. That's verses 30 and 31. The greatest question in life is what must I do to be saved? It's a question. What do I need to do to be saved? There's one place, and I was going to preach on it today, but the Lord led me back here. And, and it says, uh, and it's about... Uh, it's about Pilate and Herod, and uh, they're at the death of Christ. And the question is asked, what should I do with this man called Jesus? What do I do with Jesus? The greatest question and the greatest answer. This is not a Baptist answer. It's not a Methodist answer. It's not the Episcopalian's ideology. But the answer is straight from God's word itself. And it makes it so simple and so clear. How could anybody stumble over it? How could anybody be confused when the Bible, he asked the simple question, what do I need to do to be saved? And the greatest answer was given. Believe on the Lord. You won't find it any other way in the scripture. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Little children, believe on the Lord. Young adults, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Mom and dad, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't go to hell trusting Jesus. And so we have, number one, we have the greatest question and the greatest answer in life. And then we have some things that God opens. And we're not going to take time, just take my word for it. In verse number 14, the Bible said that he opened the hearts. In verse number 34, we see where uh, he opened the homes. He went into his house. And then in verse number 26, when we read that under your hearing, how that he opens doors. God, in this passage of Scripture, he's busy opening things up. But that's not the end of it. He's going to open the prison. He opened Lydia's heart, and she believed, and he opened the home of this jailer, and they believed. And now he's opening doors. That everybody can believe. You can't miss this. Um, these, uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I, I, I guess I need to stop right here for just a moment. <coughs> because, um, as I've already mentioned, I've never, I got carried up to the, to the uh, big, they used to call it the big 12. I got carried up there one time as a teenager and uh, I was with a group of guys they were out drag racing we got caught and they carried us all down there took our license the uh, the the uh, deputy took all of our license and he stuck them in his pocket and uh, he made us follow him down to the big 12 I think the bars were still in the windows down there I remember walking up those steps they looked like they were a hundred of the steps there was probably only two or three and I walked in there and I'm thinking oh my my I've I'm in trouble, and I was in trouble, and we stood there, and we weren't saved, and we lied, and we told everything, you know, no sir, we weren't out there drag racing, that officer, he stood there with his flashlight that night on old old Rocky Ford Road, I shouldn't be telling this, (laughs) but I've done worse, and so he stood there with this big old police flashlight that big around, had big old triangular batteries in it, and he stood there at the starting line, and uh, and he shined the light, and there was there was rubber streak for 100 yards, and he said, who laid that one down? I don't know, sir. We were back there in the woods fishing. There was, you can't imagine, there was Roadrunners and Dodge Chargers and, and Mach 1 Mustangs and, and Copo Camaros, and I mean, everything in the world's out there drag racing that night. That's Sunday night, and we made the mistake stay too long, and the church people started coming by, and somebody called the law, and they said, "Oh, the, the law's coming," and they were coming, and so we uh, we were with all those cars. We were in my one of my friends' fifty-seven Chevrolet station wagon, six-cylinder, six-cylinder, or <laughs> three on the column, and uh, and they let all those got by. They uh, headers wide open, and they're racing back to town, and he pulls a us over, four of us, in that 57 Chevrolet, 56 Chevrolet station wagon. And we said, no, sir, we weren't, we weren't. We heard them. We were back there in the woods fishing. He said, you boys been back there hunting and fishing at night? No, 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 we weren't doing that. And so that's the only experience. And we stood there and stood there, and we stood before that um, whoever's in charge, you know, sitting there at the big desk, and we're looking up at him, and he's looking down at us, and we know he's fixing to put us in handcuffs and, Put us in the pokey, and and finally, you know, he finally gave us our license back and said, you boys better go home and tell your daddy. My daddy found out about it 25 years later. 25 years later. You know, just because I've never been, I've never heard the clank of bars closing other than visiting in the prisons, as I mentioned. I've never heard what it sounds like for that big key to go into that lock and kick those tumblers over. But all of us, at some point in our life, we have been prisoners. And he looseth the prisoners. Maybe, maybe, uh, and, and again, I don't have any points. I don't have any particular thoughts. There's no rhyme. There's no rhythm. There's no alliteration. But in a sense, we're all prisoners in some way. Maybe it's not a prisoner to drugs and to alcohol. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's animosity. Maybe there's some other stronghold of faith of of hate in our lives. Maybe there's something that just keeps us as a prisoner. But he loses. He loosens those prisoners as well. We see the way of salvation in our story. Verse number 29, there's conviction. Verse number 32, there's conversion. Verse number 33 and verse number 34, there's commitment. It always goes in that way. Conviction, conversion, commitment. It's always the same way. In the fourth place, we see the power of praise and prayer. Paul and Silas, here they are. They're... Uh, in stocks in this cold Roman dungeon underneath the ground, water's running across the floor. They're fastened to the side as though it were a cave and they're hanging off the walls and they're not calling for the Christian Law Association or some liberating attorneys. They're, They're in that prison. They know they're there because God put them there and you know what they're doing? They're singing praises and praying unto God. I don't know what they're singing. Maybe they're singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I don't know. I don't know what they were praying, and I don't know what they were singing, but I do know the power of praise and prayer. i got to hurry. There's a whole lot more of this. In the fifth place, we, we see the meaning of midnight. It's amazing to me when you start looking in God's Word how often you find this midnight. It was at midnight when the death angel passed through the land and we sing the song, I will pass, I will pass over you. It was at midnight when Boaz awoke to find Ruth lying at his feet. It was at midnight when David arose and began to give thanks unto the Lord. It was at midnight when the cry was made in, Matthew 25, behold, the bridegroom cometh. It was midnight when the good man of the house returned to find his house had been broken through. Not only do we understand the meaning of midnight, we see the meaning of midnight. I wrote a little thing many, many years ago, and uh, it's about this very thing. And and, uh, I was thinking about Paul and Silas. In the middle of the night, God's men do right. There's a catastrophic sight, yet there is no fright, nor need to take flight. Because everything's all right in the middle of the night. The jailer said, so instead of a flight, he calls for a light. For the answer to his plight is to make things right. So with all of his might, he sets new sight. Now everything's all right in the middle of the night. We have the story of midnight. And then finally, I want to look at the picture of a sinner. You see, all of this, this prison stuff and all of this brokenness stuff and all of this blindness stuff that our Lord said that He was going to come and tend to it, every bit of it is a picture of a sinner. In Genesis chapter number 40 in verse number 5, the Bible said, which were bound in prison. In Genesis 42 and verse number 16, ye shall be kept in prison. In Isaiah 24 and verse number 22, and, and shall be shut up in the prison. In Isaiah 42, and they are hid in prison houses. And then the one that really gives us the note on this, Jeremiah 52, 11, and put him in prison till the day of his death. And it is so true this morning that without Jesus Christ, you're a sinner until the day you die center until the day that you were born and until the day that you die and so these are these are these are pictures of the prison we're really all in and I listed a few a while ago and I probably didn't mention enough of them but you may have some kind of stronghold in your life that keeps you in prison maybe maybe it's bitterness maybe it's uh, uh, animosity. Uh, The list goes, somebody else want to call out some words, you're welcome to do that. But there's there's some kind of a stronghold in your life and maybe it's worry, maybe it's doubt. Whatever it might be, it, it imprisons you every single day of your life and sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night with that anxiety. The Lord came to loose the prisoners. He came to loose the prisoners. And so in closing, it's not the person in need, but it's the need inside the person. It's not the person in poverty, but the poverty in the person. It's not the person in trouble, but the trouble inside the person. It's not the person in sin, but the sin inside the person. It's not the person in prison, but it's the prison in you and me the Lord came to loose the prisoners if you're here this morning and there's something that's that's locking you up there's something that's taken away your liberty and your freedom there's something that's haunting you day and night you can't shake it off It's one thing to be incarcerated at the state prison. Been there many times. Matter of fact, a year ago we had the warden at that prison was a member of our church. They moved him away to another prison. I've been there. I preached. The first time I ever preached outside of a church, I preached right down here in the Lowndes County Jail. They didn't even have a chapel. I stood at at the kitchen counter, the serving counter, and the prisoners came in and they just sat down on the floor, some of them in chairs, but they just kind of sat on the floor here and there and all around, and I preached to them. I'm not talking about those in the Lowndes County Jail. I'm not talking about those in the city of Valdosta Jail. I'm not talking about those at Rogers Penitentiary there in Alto, Georgia, and uh, where they have the death row. I've actually been there, and I've walked up to where the, the electric chair, that little dome on top of it, little uh Cupola up on top of And I've walked inside where they have the electric chair and the straps are hanging there. I'm not talking about the 40 cells that uh, death row makes up. I'm not talking about those men that are locked up behind those steel doors and uh, they only get to go outside maybe an hour or maybe less than an hour a day. And their food trays, they slide them up under the door uh, to them each and every day. They eat. They sleep, they bathe, they go to the restroom in the same little cubicle, not, as, not any bigger than the men's bathroom, not nearly as big as the ladies' bathroom. In here. I'm not talking about those people that are bound in prison, but the people that are sitting on church pews across America and living with a Bible under their arm. And yet there's some kind of torture. There's some kind of incarceration. Inside of them That they just can't overcome The Lord Lucifer He opens the doors And he might do it for you today As we stand Heavenly Father we thank you for Your precious word Lord we thank you for The prophecies of the Old Testament Fulfilled here in the New Testament and Just what you said you would do You have done it, and you are doing it. Lord, for somebody this morning, maybe it's some kind of a habit that they're indulging in. They become a prisoner to it. I pray that you would loose the prisoner. if there's one here doesn't know Christ as their Savior, Lord, may they see that they're in prison and there's a prison in them, and you'll open the door. Have your way in every heart and life is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.